Welcome to the Hoof and Fang Podcast. I'm Kurt Graves. And I'm Masmatics. Welcome to Wisconsin in winter. It's finally <laughs> yeah. happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's finally here in full force. <laughs> yes. We had our first snowstorm. Uh, what's new for you? What's going on? So I actually took this week off to do like a working vacation. So this entire Yay. week, I've, I've been loving it. And like, I've been treating it like I'm just a full-time author for mm-hmm. this week, which has been fun. So I've been still get, getting up the same time I usually do, like I'm going to work. So I don't even get to do anything fun, like sleep in. Like I'm up at six, I get ready and I try to get to the office unless there's a snowstorm. Yeah. And then I'm just chilling <laughs> at home. But yeah, I've been working my ass off because I my goal is to try to finish this manuscript by the time I have to go back to work on Monday. Okay. And I think I can do it. All right. Yes, you can. Yeah. Well, the only- Can and will. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's that's the attitude. As long as people leave me alone. Everybody? I, yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like if you this st- doesn't come out till Friday, so it's already too late. Yeah, but. exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so I will get it done and I will mm-hmm. be able to ship it over to Jess, who's my, you know, alpha reader slash yeah. editor person. So she can start giving me her notes and I can do my little touch ups. But yeah. yeah, I should be like done. Okay. And I'm so excited All that right. I can just put this behind me, like not put it behind me, but be able to be like, yeah. check, you know, a little bit of truth came out. Just <laughs> yeah. there. <laughs> so I could be fucking done. So I'm done with this shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's awesome. I mm-hmm. so rarely when I take time off to work on a thing, does it actually happen in the time frame yeah. that I expected it to? The last time I did that was when I took off to work on my garage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I remember that. It ended up taking like 10 days instead of five. So, yeah. Ah, but as long as you were productive, mm-hmm. that's got to feel good. It does. It feels awesome. It's and like, your next week self is going to be happy that you didn't sleep in all week. Yeah. This week. Yeah. Like I, I'm very tempted every time my alarm goes off. I'm like, I don't have to be awake. I, there's no obligation, but I keep being like, you got to finish this book. Like you have to get it done. Yeah. So. And if you got into the cycle of like staying up late mm-hmm. because you slept in. Luckily, since Alex ooh. is still like working this week, he goes to bed. So I'm like, well, there's no reason for me to stay up. So I've been oh, going okay. to bed at my normal time. But if we were both on vacation, this would be shot. We are so opposites in that. Oh, really? Like, I'd be like, ooh, alone time. Yeah, I can watch whatever I want. <laughs> yeah, I like, yeah. And I don't have to get up early. It's like John goes to bed. I can be alone for a few hours at mm-hmm. night. Yeah, I should. I should embrace that more. Yeah, <laughs> the it's, free, it's hard. The freelancer lifestyle of just like stay up late. Yeah, get up late. Why not? Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Truly doesn't. Own, yeah, I mean, you set your own hours. You could always right. just stay here later if you wanted to. But right. like, once you, I think once you get in that cadence, like it, at least for me, it's easier to be like, okay, like I'm clocked out at yeah. like four o'clock. I can be like, I can stop writing for the rest of the day and just like play video games and goof off because I've already done all my work. Right. Whereas typically, I get off the day job at four. We do our podcasty stuff, and then I go home try to get a little bit of a break and then I go into like, you know, job number two and right. try to get a couple hours of writing done. So it's nice to not have that huge brick in the middle of my day. Mm-hmm. And I can be like, Oh no, I'm truly off for the rest of the evening. That's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> so then it, 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 uh, it still gets to be a vacation. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. So the yeah. evenings are my vacation now. Yeah. So kind of cool. good. Yeah. Well, well, and when you're, even when you're a freelancer, like if you're partnered, like you do feel like you sort of have to mirror their schedule mm-hmm. at least a little bit. Yeah. So that, in theory, you have some time off in the day yeah. at the same time because mm-hmm. you're supposed to want to spend time with that person. Yeah. It's all, you know, it's just complicated. Mm-hmm. It just keeps getting more complicated. Yeah. Yeah, Man. it really does. I gotta love it. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> we say it begrudgingly. Like, oh, it's great. Yeah, I know. There's oh. so many benefits, but also sometimes it's like, oh. Yeah. It would be, this is, I think, universally true. It would be so great. If we never had to take into consideration other people's feelings. I know. Yeah. 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 If I could just like turn Alex into a oh. robot for like a day and be like, hi, yeah. you won't get mad that I just like don't want to talk to you for the rest of the day or like right. order food I want that I know you hate and stuff like that. But you know, he's, he's a person. So yeah. you got to care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what about for you? How's I, your week been? I was going to say, I, uh, I'm just recording our uh, audiobook of the month. Yes. So I'm working on Three Meant to Be. Love it. Uh, we're making some some progress. You know, starting a new project always takes longer. Yeah, and I it's always, hard. I try to budget time for it and remember that like the first day or two is just not going to be as productive. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, that combined with the snowstorm we had yesterday and yeah. not coming in to record because the roads were supposed to be so bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's starting to feel like... Uh, 
it's yeah. Wednesday. <laughs> it's already Wednesday. And I don't have to finish it this week. It can go a couple days into next week. Mm-hmm. And I and I have the weekend. We don't have anything planned. But yeah. it's still already it's like, oh God. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You feel a crunch. Like yeah. I that's how I feel. I'm like, oh God, it's already Wednesday. Like this week's going too fast. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wanted to be further along. I wanted to be like doing more things at this point, but yeah. you know. Right. A little bit of behind the scenes, by the way. We're mm-hmm. we're recording this on Wednesday. Yeah, <laughs> we I, we usually do it earlier in the week, but right. snowstorm. Right, snowstorm. So, so yeah. So uh, just a reminder to our listeners who uh, may have not snagged it already. Mm-hmm. Ethan and Jag destroy the world. Our audiobook for December uh, is still available in our online store. Uh, along with our three other previously released audiobooks, mm-hmm. Gardens and Ghosts, Yay. which was the last book in the Relic series, mm-hmm. uh, Prisoner by G.G. DeGram, and Eternal Sin by Mia Monroe. They are all available in our online store. Yeah. And I have, I've had people ask already if we will be recording the sequels to these books, because mm-hmm. they're both series. Right. Uh, and the simple answer to that is, only if you want us to. Yeah. And the way you show us that you want us to is by selling the book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We- or, or joining the Patreon. Like if we see that kind of response to uh, one of the books, then absolutely we will consider doing future books in that series. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, as we say all the time, just spread the word. Yeah. That's all you can really do. Yeah. Uh, spread the word and hopefully get more people interested in the audiobooks we're creating uh, or the Patreon in general. Yeah, that's the best way you can help us out. Like if you've already purchased it and loved it and everything, do a social media post, tell your friends about it. Just, you mm-hmm. know, like authors and narrators and stuff have always said like reviews are the biggest thing yeah. for like exposure. Since we don't have like, we're not on Audible and stuff like that, right. we we have to rely on word of mouth and social yeah. media. So it makes it a little bit trickier. So. Well, and we're still, we're figuring it out too. Yeah, this so, is all new. Yeah, if you're listening to this and you're like, I have a great promotional idea for you guys. Send us an email. Yeah, please. <laughs> we are like, we're just kind of winging it. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. We're trial and error over here at Hoof and mm-hmm. Fang. Yeah. So since we are in the middle of our first snowfall, I am already craving the summer sun. Mm-hmm. I am so over winter. Yeah. I cannot wait until we are snowbirds. Although, as John pointed out to me last night, he's like, wait five years. Maybe there won't be snow in Wisconsin in winter. I'm like, oh gosh. That's depressing. Yeah, right? It is depressing, but I guess possible, technically. Yeah. Um, But anyways, can't wait till I don't have to shovel or move snow, even with the snowblower. So lazy. I have a machine that does it for me, and I'm still like, I don't want to. It doesn't look fun. And like, since I live in an apartment, I don't have to mess with it. Like, Mm -hmm. that's done the only thing i have to do is like move the snow away from my garage which i i complain about that and that's just like so yeah if i had to do like okay Okay. (laughs) your snow makes weird noises yeah it it complains are you using a shovel or like a yeah like a comedian from the 80s (laughs) shovels his name yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's a hammer yeah Yeah. no it's like and even like just doing that a little bit like super annoyed so if i had to do an entire driveway i just wouldn't leave yeah yeah so uh i am craving some summer sun i'm thinking about being on a beach somewhere Mm -hmm. and that got me thinking about like beach reads yeah like what are the books that we have read that would be either categorized as a beach read like kind of frothy fun Mm -hmm. those super popular novels that come out over the summer that like every housewife is reading but like secretly everybody's reading them yeah everyone's (laughs) like oh but you have it but i yeah but i've read it um or Literally books that you've read on a beach. You know, so when you said like beach reads, I had to think about the last time I was on the beach because I don't, I'm not a beach person. Yeah. Because I burn, like if the sun mm-hmm. is slightly out, I'm just a lobster. And I have a weird thing about water I can't see through. I don't want to be in it. Okay. So I'm like, I'm just such a buzzkill when it comes <laughs> to like a beach situation. Like all of our friends out here wanted to go out to a beach and Alex was like, oh, let's go. And I was like, no. Oh, really? No, no I don't want to. Oh. Like, Wisconsin if I could, has such beautiful beaches. They're very pretty. I think if I can get one of those like overly gothic, ridiculous umbrellas sure. and I could just sit under that and be like the weird aunt that just reads and never leaves the umbrella yeah. and people bring me snacks, I'll go. Oh, the snacks should be in a cooler right next to you. See? Perfect. Mm-hmm. I'll probably do that. Yeah. But yeah. So, so what, what is a, a beach read that you have, so, you remember fondly? I had to think about like, Books that kind of gave like a warm vibe, like something I could envision myself being like 
something easily pick up and put down. Like mm-hmm. if I needed to get up to get more snacks during my beach adventure. Right, right, right. So I've got three. Um, my first one is Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry. Or Bald- Baldry. I think I'm saying that right. Yep. Um, have you ever read that one? Yeah. Okay. I yeah. couldn't remember if, if we had oh, yeah. talked about it. Okay. No, yeah. no, yeah. I love that book. That is we... such a like low stakes, cozy, perfect beach read for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Travis is a narrator. I knew him before he was an author. That's right. That's so, right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's my first one. Do you have multiple ones or do you have like, just like, Oh, one? I have several. Okay. Um, the first one, I think that I remember reading something that was just like truly in the zeitgeist, uh, like that I sort of looked on my nose at, but then once I read it, I loved it. Yeah. The Da Vinci Code. Is it good? I've never read it. It's not good. No. (laughs) I mean, but it's like fun. I guess. Like if you're putting on your literary scholar hat, like no, it's not good. But I mean, it's super entertaining. Fair. Okay. Those chapters are short. Nice. They make you feel like you are reading at breakneck speed. Like, oh, I'm such a good reader. I'm already twelve chapters in. (laughs) Meanwhile, you've read fourteen pages. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know. Okay. Um, but not only was that like a book that I really enjoyed, it was also like my comfort read when I went to college. Okay. Because I picked it up like towards the end of summer mm-hmm. uh, and I was going to college. I went to college with nobody I knew. Oh, like, really? Nobody was even going to the same part of the state from my graduating class. Oh, that man. I knew of. So I was all on my own. I'm not great at making friends because <laughs> I don't like people. Well, and, it's hard to do when you're young. Like, yeah. at least it was for me. Like, that would be tough. Mm-hmm. So like, I just, I vividly remember like going out into like the commons and like finding a tree to sit under and just reading this book because nice. it was like something to do to get out of the room. Yeah. Because I was like, well, I don't know anybody yet. I don't like classes mm-hmm. hadn't started like that sort of thing. So yeah. Yeah. My, my first beach read was The Da Vinci Code. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Like a good adventure novel kind of thing. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my second one is the first of the Parasol Protectorate books, Solus by Gil Carriger. Mm. That it is like kind of in the same vein, like it's actiony, super fun Victorian, like steampunk kind of stuff. But yeah. it's really fun and just easy to read. And it like reminds me of very much like the character, like sitting under an umbrella or like at a park, like eating snacks with some tea and just, just being a lady. Yeah, you know what I mean? For sure. Like, like being in like a dress you have no business wearing and like that type of environment. But yeah, me and Jess actually did like a whole tea party thing around it. I think in the middle of summer one, one year, cause oh, we both got fun. super into it. So yeah, I would definitely reread this again. Like one of the like trade paperbacks that you can find in Barnes and Noble, like mm-hmm. on the beach and just be like, if, if I got sand all over, I wouldn't care. Cause I have right. a signed copy at home kind of thing. But yeah, oh, man. Okay. It, Humble brag. Yeah, I mean, I am a Sorry. super big fan girl, <laughs> Gail. Like, I think this. She was maybe one of the first authors that I took a trip to go get a book signed because I was just like just madly in love with that series. Yeah. So, but yeah, I would I would definitely read that again on the beach. Mm-hmm. So fun. Yeah, I still have beef with her. Oh really? Uh, because on your first podcast, she was the only person who was on more than me. Oh, that's right. So yeah, and since it ended i can't ever overtake her <laughs> although i now have my own podcast with you so yeah. maybe i win yeah i think that technically counts if we can get jess on the show like what three times i think technically you would beat her but out I, yeah i only need one more oh okay then we just tie. need jess on the on the podcast one more time yeah okay come on jeff jeff <laughs> come on join us She's going to be listening to this and send me a text in all caps yeah. being like, win. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, all right. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am now going to talk about a book that I read that I don't think many people would consider a beach read, but okay. I literally read it on a beach. Okay. So it was when uh, we took a trip to the Dominican Republic, the most beautiful beach mm-hmm. that I've ever been on. I mean, it is like what, the pictures they put in magazines, like the white sand beach, the beautiful blue ocean, the Love beautiful it. sky with like fluffy white clouds. Mm-hmm. And our resort had these beautiful large palm trees oh, that nice. like you could put your chair in the shade. Oh, I love you that. You know, just kind of like move it a little bit throughout the day yeah. as the sun moved. But like there were so many, everybody could be in the shade. You didn't have to be out in the sun. Yeah. And John was actually reading um, N.K. Jemison's The Fifth Season. Okay. Series. She had, he had just started that 
the first book. Mm -hmm. And so he had it with him and he finished it on like the second day of our vacation. And I was like, oh, I want to read that. So I grabbed it. Just something to do, Mm -hmm. you know, so I didn't have to read on my Kindle. Right. You know, uh, because I don't like taking that to the beach because. Yeah, that would be bad. Yeah. Um, So I was like, oh, a physical book. What fun. On a lounge chair in the sun. I inhaled that book. Really? Yes. Oh, my God. By like the third day when I was like good half to three quarters of the way through it like mm-hmm. i was on my phone ordering the other two books so oh, they man. would arrive at my house by the time we got back that's from, amazing yeah from the dominican republic because i was like i need to have the second and third book like ready to go yeah it is just one of the most fun reading experiences i've had in my life the setting an amazing book have you read it Mm-mm. you should it like has this intriguing premise. The world building is great. And mm-hmm. it also like has sort of like a gimmick in the writing in that uh, it's telling three different stories and they all use a different tense. Oh, interesting. So, or not tense, uh, uh, like point of view. Oh, so okay. it's third person, second person, and first person. Oh, crazy. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it helps fun. you to know like which story you're in every time. Yeah, for sure. Whether they're saying I, they, or you. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it super satisfying ending. And I really enjoyed that whole series. So. Okay, sweet. Yeah, I'll have to pick it up. Yeah. That sounds oh, yeah. fun. It's worth it. Nice. Okay, cool. So the last one I have on my original list is uh, the third series by Charlie Cochet. Okay. Is like, they're just super fun, easy to read romance novels that are like, it, but they still have shifters and action and stuff. Because it's hard for me to get really into like, mm-hmm. just kind of regular non-action-y romances. Yeah. but. Yeah, man, they're just like, they're just fun. And the shifter uh, universe or like shifter lore is easy to understand. So it's like they were experimented on every, like they're shifters because they got experimental drugs when they were kids. Bam, that's all you really need to know to be able to be like, okay, Mm. I'm in, you know? Um, But yeah, man, I think I tore through that entire series in like a month. So like I could like rip through two of those books like on a day at the beach. No problem. You know what I mean? Like they're just really fun. So I don't have to check those out. They're really That's cool. What, I mean, and they're I, funny too. Obviously I have a lot of like yeah, blind spots when it comes yeah. to like gay romance. Cause there's, it's just so expansive. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. They're fun. I like, I, I think it was one of those books that I, that was the first really funny MM romance that I read like way back in the day. Mm. So I was like, Oh, you can do this and be hilarious. Like, yeah. Great. That's what I want to do. Can and should. Yeah, exactly. Right? I love laughing during romances. Yeah. Like and like the main character Dex, like I elements of him are in Dalton and Dallas. Like it's all D's, I realize this is a theme. <laughs> Shit. Anyway. Did you not realize that? I until didn't this second? until just now. I was like, oh yeah, there you go. Okay. Well, all of this is Charlie's fault then. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're fun. I will condense my third into one so that okay. it can just be thirds. Okay. Um, and it's just the oeuvre of Leanne Moriarty. Okay. <laughs> um, if you haven't let, read Leanne Moriarty, Australian author, writes like the quintessential beach reads. Oh, uh, really? So like the first one I read was The Husband's Secret. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds soapy. Oh, know? I know. I love it. Um, I'm already like, okay, yeah. I'm in. Um, she also wrote Big Little Lies, which the okay. TV series was based on. Uh, Truly Madly Guilty. Uh, nice. And then the latest one I, re- I picked up, um, I actually did it in audio because I wanted to study the Australian accent, um, uh, was Apples Never Fall. Okay. And they're all just like these twisty, turny stories, yeah. super soapy, super frothy. I love it. You know? Yeah. Just it's, fun. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I've love got it. like two new series I need to pick up then because I, I haven't read either one of the ones that you pitched. Or talked about pitched well, like you're selling. It I was going to say the the N.K. Jemisin series is a three book series. You definitely have to read them all. Okay. The nice thing about the Leanne Moriarty books is like it's sort of the same formula, but it's totally different stories. So you okay. can pick them up whenever you want. Nice. And they just they go down like candy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Not serious at all, but like intriguing, and mm-hmm. it's like like it's the guilty pleasure of reading. Yeah. Yeah. Those sorts for sure. Of books. So sweet. Okay, great. Well, yeah. we've got our beach reads picked out then for All when right. the weather we just, gets better. We just need a beach. Yeah, we need a beach. I'll go. I'll go if I don't have to get in the water. Right. I'm not pressured <laughs> to get in the water. I'm fine. Yeah, we don't have any beach vacations planned this year. We have travel vacations. So Ooh, fancy. Just have to find some other time to read some beach reads. Yeah, you can read yeah. them on the plane, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I get. I get. Oh, sick. do you get sick yeah. when you do that? Yeah. I usually try to sleep. Same. Same. So, 
So those are our beach read slash recommendations. Uh, if you want to check them out or if you've read any of them, let us know in the comments. Mm-hmm. Um, we this week are talking to uh, Sam Burns and WM Fox Yay. in our interview. Uh, I first encountered their work because I was cast as a co-narrator for their To Kill a King series. And the first book in that series came out this week. It came oh, out yay. on Tuesday. Awesome. Um, so you will hear us in the un- interview talk about like, when is that coming out? It just did. Nice. So you can go get it. Love it. Um, Sam Burns is an author of LGBTQIA plus fiction, mostly lighthearted fantasy romances. Uh, most of her books include a little violence, a fair amount of swearing, and maybe a sex scene or two. Maybe. Maybe. Sprinkled in there. Um, W.M. Fox is an author of LGBTQIA plus fantasy and paranormal romances. She lives with her partner in a house owned by three Halloween-hued felines that dabble regularly in shadow walking. I don't know what that is, and I wish we had talked about it. Yeah, we should have picked your brain about that. Oh, Does well. that mean that we can go in and out of the shadows? Like, void walking kind of That'd thing? That'd be cool. Ooh. So, well, something to talk about next time. I'll shoot her a message. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so here's our uh, interview with Sam and Waverly. Welcome to the podcast, authors Sam Burns and W.M. Fox. We're so excited to have you guys with us. We're excited to be here. Definitely. Thanks for having us. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited to chat with you because I'm already familiar with your work, which makes this <laughs> so much more fun and easy for me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and we know that Maz already knows you, mm-hmm. which makes it fun and easy for her. Yep. So yeah. this is all fun and easy. For all this is actually fabulous timing because yesterday Podium sent us the first book. So we oh got to God. listen to your work. And Excited. we're both very, very happy, so by the way. So okay, thank good. you. I was going to say, this would be amazing. a terrible time to be like, and we have. By the way, notes. we hate it. <laughs> um. No, we were both very excited and pleased. So thank yes. you. It would be especially bad timing because we've already recorded book two. So like, if, there, if there were some major issues that you're like, you know what? It's okay for book one, but for book two, we'd really like X, Y, Z. It'd be like, nope, sorry. Yeah. What about book three? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's so funny how production schedules work like that sometimes. Yeah. Like sometimes I've done work. Like I, we were just talking about it before we started recording. She's like, did you do their books? Cause I didn't, there's nothing out yet. And I was like, no, 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 I did. In fact, I've done two of them. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Uh, I was like, they're just to... not out. Yeah. You'll yeah, hear them one day through. and they're amazing. Someday. <laughs> someday the they future. are out there. Yes. <laughs> well, before we talk specifically about that series or any other specific work, I would just love to hear your origin story. Um, how did you both find your way into writing? And then how did you decide, you know what, it's a good idea to write together? Something I don't know that I would have the wherewithal to do. It is a challenge daily. I'm just kidding. It's wonderful. Do you want to <laughs> yeah, go first? So or should I? I, I don't care. Go ahead. Okay. Well, Sam started writing before I did. I kind of came in a very roundabout way to writing. Um, I, I have a little bit um, of an obsessive compulsive leaning. And so I decided before I ever started writing that I wanted to learn how to do everything. I wanted to learn how to edit. I wanted to learn how to design covers. I wanted to learn everything, which as we all know, isn't always a great idea. Like books take a team, they need other input, but I decided I needed at least like a working knowledge of doing everything before I ever, you know, tried to do it for myself. And so, um, I started out as an editor and then I joined a writing group and Sam and I were in the same writing group and we kind of got along and she had an editor back out very like last minute, just wasn't available. And I was there and I was like, okay, I can help. And we kind of figured out through that process that our, like the way that we approach books and words and our voices kind of meshed really well. Um, And then at GRL in, was it 2018? We met in person, and by the end of that week, we had a plan for our first series, which was Lords of the Underworld. Um, But yeah, I kind of knew I wanted to write when I was pretty young, and so I just had all these odd jobs that kind of allowed time. Like, I was a barista for a while, and I, you know, worked until noon, and then I had my afternoons free for writing. You have such great barista energy. 
Okay. Yeah. 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 Rich, I, I would enough. love to walk into a coffee shop and have you be the barista. <laughs> For the record, Thank you should you. try coffee that, that they have made. It is amazing. I do have an espresso okay. machine in my house now. Let me now. know when we should show up. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow. <laughs> Send me address and we'll be there. Tomorrow would be great. live in North Carolina, so that might be kind of okay. a pain. We'll but look into flats. <laughs> yes. Um, so I kept doing kind of odd jobs with the idea of like, I want to carve out time and space to learn how to do this thing that I love. And that had kind of writing had gotten me through college, not because of essays, love a five page essay, but you know, I would do it for fun as kind of a release. And it was just something that always stuck with me through things that are a lot less fun, like five page essays yeah. or... <laughs> you know, I guess, uh, the holiday season. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh, the holidays yeah. are great. No yeah, family trips. That is less fun though. For sure. Yeah. Those are always a breeze for everyone. All yeah. the time. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Just pure joy. Mm-hmm. Sam, how about you? I, I have the usual story that, that everyone's heard a million times. You know, I, I loved writing when I was a kid. I wrote my first book with a friend when I was like nine and of course, you, you always get told throughout childhood, okay, but what are you going to do for a living? So I sort of dismissed it and pushed it to the back and, and kept writing all the while, but, you know, flitted from one job to another, trying to find really where I fit in life and ended up in my early 30s with a college degree in interpreting, which I am very bad at. I, it, it is it is an exceptionally hard job. Props to anyone who can do it. It it almost like killed me. Like language interpreting or ASL? Yes, I was or? I was interpreting ASL at uh, public school, and okay. you know I I can do it. I did fine, but it is the most stressful job I have had in my entire life. And we were coming to the end of working with this one student. They were going to graduate, and I sort of went, you know what? I'm going to go back and I'm going to finish this creative writing degree, which is completely useless. And I'm going to accumulate all this debt. And then I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I need to not be here anymore. So I went back and I finished the degree and about, I I think it was about a month after I got the degree, I, I published my first book and have not looked back. And honestly, those books have have paid off the vast majority of the student loans, including the interpreting student loans. That's awesome. Nice. So it's hard to complain looking back. And then, of course, Waverly has already mentioned that was that was actually the book that Waverly edited because I I had a friend who was lined up to edit it and they ghosted me. And uh, Mm. we have just been together ever since, honestly. A sweet story. Yeah, it is. I love that. It all like I love it when it all works out like that. When you like taking those huge career risks is terrifying no matter what. And so yes. often it's one of those like you take the leap and <laughs> fast forward and it, you're just miserable. But like oh, when it comes yeah. to writing, like I I that gives me hope because I want to one day be like full time writing. So every time I hear one of those like success stories, I'm like, yes, it's doable. So. Love My that. alma mater called a, a couple years back and they were like, okay, and what are you doing for a job with this degree? And I was like, I'm writing. Really? Like, <laughs> they were so shocked that I was yeah. writing with my writing degree. <laughs> Isn't that sad? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the actors I talk to have the same thing, though. They're like, yeah, I got an acting degree and I actually use it. <laughs> yeah. Most, but then again, I also know a lot of actors who are like, not doing that. So <laughs> I know plenty of acting people with acting degrees who are not acting in any way, shape, or form. And then they're like, "Ooh, how do I do what you do?" And I'm like, "You don't go away." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> get out of here. This is, this is my town. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Sam, you wrote individually. Waverly, did you ever write individually, or have you always worked with Sam? I have written some individually. Um, Sam has written a significantly larger. I got started first. Uh, You did. But also, um, I am deeply externally motivated (laughs) Mm. figuring that out. Um, So I really love to co-write. And I love that, you know, kind of symbiotic process where 
I guess I've kind of described it to people like when you're holding hands with someone and spinning around, if you're spinning around on your own, you're eventually going to fall, but you can go a lot faster if you're with someone else and they're feeding your ideas and matching your energy and just, you know, kind of getting that inspiration together really works for me. Um, I am working on solo, more solo stuff. Um, right now I only have out novellas, but it is definitely Hey, don't for say me. only. <laughs> okay. I have, I have a number of novellas yeah. that are um, available and they are written just by me. Um, so I am working on that, but I am much, much slower alone than I am with someone. It is significantly easier to co-write because, you know, even if Not you get forever. up in the morning and you go, oh, I feel like doing nothing, you've got that other person who's sitting over there waiting for you to finish something. So... Mm. It's more inspiring to get back to work. Yeah, I I so relate to the external motivation thing. We've talked about yeah. it on the podcast as well, just like how much that my brain works the same way. Uh, and I did get diagnosed later in life with ADHD and OCD. So like, <laughs> it was like, oh, all of these things suddenly make sense. Yeah, that like all the things need to be in perfect yeah. order in order for me to get anything done. And yeah, I have to know every mm -hmm. aspect of everything. It's like this podcast has been a good um, lesson in just jumping in mm -hmm. and like yeah. learning as we go and figuring out what it is. And so yeah. it is really hard to kind of deconstruct that, though, the idea that like you don't have to go in and it be perfect. You can just go in and do the thing and work on it as you go. And it, you mm -hmm. know, improves as you learn. But yeah, it is really hard to deconstruct that like initial, if this is not going to be exactly right, I don't know how to approach it. Yeah. Starting to allow yourself to be imperfect is the scariest thing in the world. Sounds gross. It really is. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> Especially I think for writers, because we, I, I, I think everybody has a, at least a little bit where yes. I will be working on a first draft and they're supposed to be terrible like first drafts are always garbage yeah. everyone knows that we all know that but then yeah. when I like read back over my old like what I just wrote I'm either like okay I'm the best writer in the world or I'm like <laughs> I'm garbage like there's no and sometimes no both. between like, sometimes yeah, both it's like exactly. oh that's amazing oh wait this is the <laughs> most perfect garbage that anyone has ever put on the page yes. delicious yeah. delicious garbage <laughs> I don't know how we can simultaneously hate ourselves and prop ourselves up at the same time. It's yes. a unique talent. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. Being delusional is an important part of the process. I feel <laughs> it really yeah. is. Yeah. We write a bunch of dragons. We need the delusion to fuel this whole thing. I mean, honestly, we're all artists mm -hmm. here. Delusion is, is a major part of it. It's That's just, fair. yeah. Hey, if, if we're not tricking ourselves, we're tricking somebody else. So <laughs> at, at all times, we're fooling people into thinking we know what we're doing. And the goal is to trick us. everybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> us, you, readers, everybody. <laughs> Based on reviews, I'm not fooling everybody. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know that feeling too, unfortunately. There's usually one or two yeah. who would very much like me to know that I'm not fooling them. Yeah, I haven't, they've, they've seen I haven't the tricked them into thinking I'm any good. Uh, so you actually started... Um, <laughs> I know, right? It sounds so harsh. But I feel that. Like what, but it's the truth. But it's, like what it. we, it's what we live through. Yeah. And yeah. if at some point you don't learn to just laugh at it, you're going to be miserable all the time. That is true. That it's is the only true. job yeah. I've Which ever had mean, where people are just like, yes, I'm going to come to your place of business and tell you exactly what I think of you and your talent and your skill. Mm. And it, yeah. it can be a tad disheartening at times. Yeah. And, and, and also, even though I've never done the thing that I'm criticizing you for, I have thoughts. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. <sighs> and I'm guilty of it too. I used to be a, yeah. uh, like, I, before I was narrating audiobooks, I used to listen to them and I would rate and review. And sometimes I was harsh. And now, uh, you know, karma's a bitch. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Now I'm on the other side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I definitely haven't reviewed a book since, since, having a name that is involved in writing books for it's sure for yes. me too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can't. I, I just, I feel like an ass. Like I, I feel like I'm not qualified now to review anyone's work because now I know like how the sausage is made. So if it's yeah. something I don't like, I'm like, but they worked really hard. So five stars, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like I, yes. I can't ever yeah. criticize somebody online about anything book related at this point. It doesn't help that, well, like, like, if you if you leave reviews, the negative ones get, like, a ton of likes. 
And oh, it's yeah. like, oh, they're definitely going to see that. And how many people like that I was mean? Oh, I don't want that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, I don't want to be known as the mean author. Like, no, there's, yeah. there, those people already exist. I'm not contributing yeah, to that. That's true. <laughs> and you have to, at some point, learn that, like, you not liking something is not the same as it being not good. Right. Yes. I, I actually have this. This is really a big deal for me because uh, some years ago, Mad Max Fury Road came out and it's a great movie, objectively a great movie. And I don't like it because I don't like mm-hmm. chase movies and I'm, I'm not like that big on action movies. I went to the theater. I saw it. I went, wow, that was really well done. And I don't want to see it again because meh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but objectively I, you, you can look at it and go, that is great. Yeah. yeah, I just watched, uh, I made my husband watch it with me, The Green Knight. Did you guys I watch that, that one? I've, heard I've been wanting it to yet. see it for forever, too, because everybody said it's so great. And I watched the whole thing, and I'm like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> that was a bunch of beautiful nonsense. <laughs> I love beautiful nonsense. Well, you might love this movie, then. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I, like... It's it it is gorgeous, and I don't mind looking at Dave Patel for two hours. No, mm-hmm. no uh, I do not. But that was actually one of the reasons I, I went. What, hmm, I need to see that when yeah, when I started the, seeing what was going on in that movie. I have no like. I mean, I get the individual plot points, why mm-hmm. they were put together in the way they were, and why that needed to be a movie. I was like, what? What did I just watch? My husband fell asleep like ten minutes in. <laughs> And afterwards, he's like, did you like it? And I was like, I did not. Yeah. I was like, but it was beautiful. Yeah, This is a beautiful thing that happens with reviews, though, is like, you just made me want to watch it like a lot. You're like, I don't know what this was. I don't know if like, you know, this worked for me. Like, it was beautiful. But I'm like, oh, my God, I cannot wait to see now if it works for me. Yeah, exactly. I want to know. Like, I hope then that that's a fair <laughs> review. Like, yeah. I can I'm, yeah. I'm honestly saying yeah, it wasn't for is. me. I didn't get it. But the quality is good. So you go watch it, and then you tell me if it's any good. I can't wait. I will let you know. I look forward to your review. Okay. Yes. Yeah, you'll have to let us know. My husband watched it, and he loved it. But it was, I looked at how long it was, and I was like, no. Mm. I was like, and he watched it, and I was like, did it have action in it? And he was like, you would have hated it. (laughs) I was like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um. So speaking of vaguely medieval things, mm-hmm. uh, that's my transition into talking about the To Kill a King series, <laughs> which I know about because I narrate it uh, with somebody. I don't remember. Who Darcy, Stark. Darcy Stark. Darcy Stark. That's the one. Sorry. Sometimes there's just too many series and it's like, wait, which one? <laughs> is which I can't remember our characters names like ever. So Same. I, I yeah, mean, no, Waverly remembers that's and reminded me. Of Darcy Stark, because she was just like, you really like Iron Man. So I remember his last name is Stark. Yeah. Like, uh, yes, yeah. that is that is the reason to remember anybody, because Iron Man. It is, it is also sometimes difficult, um, because many of my colleagues have pseudonyms. Yes. And so even if I'm thinking of the person that I email with, I'm like, wait, uh, do I say that name? Is that the name or is it some other name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that would be tricky. Yeah, so... But yes, that's right. Okay, this is Darcy Stark. It's the Russian one. Yep. Dragons. Yes. Russian yes. dragons. <laughs> dragons. I actually yes. I have two dragons right now, which is why this is getting so confusing. Oh, oh that would do it. But there's so much him. fun that I'm like, I'm not going to tell Podium not to keep sending me dragons. I'm right? like, please do. I mean, really? Right. Oh, more dragons? Them, oh, no. So. Oh, no, oh, no. Not more dragons. <laughs> so sad. Do they fly? Are they hot yeah. with the fire? <laughs> I'm talking about the fire. Yeah, yeah, of course, the fire. Yeah, yeah, that's totally what we're talking about. Uh, amen. Uh, so, uh, what was the inspiration for this series? <laughs> that face. <laughs> okay, so a couple of years ago, we wrote another series uh, about dragons, shockingly, called uh, Fire and Valor. And one of the characters in it was a fan favorite. And early this year, we were like, so if, if Bet, this, this fan favorite character, was going to read a romance novel, what would he want it to be about? And Waverly was like, well, clearly as many stabbings as possible. And Very so that, that spawned this entire series going, yes, we need dragon riders who stab people. 
melodramatic, dark feelings in his angst all the time. Just, yeah. But happy ending, of course. He he still wants the happy ending. He wants his own, so he wants other people to have it too, as long as it's in fiction and it's not his enemy. <laughs> yeah. Angsty, stabby boys need love too. I mean, they do. Get it. That's exactly it. <laughs> Romance with his We many just keep finding new possible. adjectives to add on to angsty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In this case, it's stabby. Stabby. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a, like a, a t-shirt that has to be a dress by the time we're done <laughs> right. listing all of our sad, angsty, stabby, melodramatic, whatever. Like, <laughs> yes. Once yeah, we yeah, compile absolutely. them all, it's going to go down to the floor. Mm-hmm. All these Pretty boys much, of yeah. ours. Yeah. So what was the, why the setting uh, it is, for those who didn't catch this when I said it earlier, uh, it is inspired by Russia to a degree. Uh, so, like, why that influence? Where did that come from? I, I think a large part of it, at least for me, is you see a lot of a lot of these these books that are set in this sort of vaguely medieval epic fantasy universe, and they're all straight up, it's England. Clearly, it's some part of England. Maybe France on odd occasion. Our, our right. Fire and Valor series was pretty clearly Wales. And we went, we don't really want to use exactly that background in history. And since we're already making it kind of this, this brutal world where, you know, somebody's just as likely to stab you as say good morning... You know, that, that fit with a lot of old Russian tales that is mm. just like a really harsh place. So yeah, we, the people had to be harsh in answer to it. Mm-hmm. We kind of, um, for me, I, I tend to absorb a lot of media. So um, I, I had been watching The Great on Hulu, which I think is great. incredibly <laughs> well written. I think it is so funny and just witty and sharp and kind of like unapologetically brutal, but hopeful. Like I just, I think it's a great show. I haven't even seen the most recent season because I'm afraid that that is like, I need to save it for a moment when I'm feeling um, deprived of something wonderful. So That's on my list. I, I love a period drama. Yeah, me too. And the, just the casting, I didn't think they were going to be able to get me on board with this enemies to lovers thing they have going on with Catherine and Peter, but um, they do. And then, know you know, it's going to be enemies how... to lovers to enemies again if it follows history. Yeah. So I mean, it's okay. I'm there for the history journey. Spoilers. It's been a little while since this <laughs> happened. I mean, they could deviate yeah. from history. I think that they, well, I don't think that Velcro was made in the court of Catherine the Great. But anyway, um, so I was watching that and I had read, I think, Naomi, is that how you say that? Naomi Novik's um, Uprooted and just kind of living in this very Russian, Eastern European, brutal fairy tale kind of place. Um Oh, I like that brutal fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we were originally planning the books, we kind of, we didn't m- intend to set it up as kind of fairy tale retellings, but we also did. <laughs> so as we were kind of figuring out, we actually plotted all three books at the same time and we drafted, I think, there was somewhat simultaneously because we can trade during the day. Like I write a chapter in the morning and she writes a chapter in the afternoon. But if we are, you know, in a rotation, we can write two books at the same time. Um, which co-writing man, it's pretty yeah. great. Um, but as we were approaching that and kind of figuring out what we wanted these things to be, we kind of noticed, Oh crap, this first book is beauty and the beast. And this second book is The Little Mermaid, but make it dragons. And this third one is The Ice Queen. And, you know, it's bringing that in, but in a way that I think Sam has written a lot of like Celtic mythology and fairy tales and kind of pushing that a little bit east. I got to the point where I called myself a one-trick pony because like every other book is based on Celtic mythology and oops. (laughs) <laughs> do you have a, a specific passion for celtic mythology is that like one of those things that's just something you adore you know, so you keep gravitating back to it 
I've read a ton of fairy tales as a kid, and I'm not going to lie. I'm looking at my bookshelf right here, and I've got like a whole shelf of of stuff on Irish history and Celtic folk tales and, you know, that sort of thing. So it's definitely (laughs) something that I read about myself. So that's how that ended up happening. Right. (laughs) Well, and you can take inspiration from a story like that. There are no new stories. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're all out there. At some point, somebody's going to find something to compare it to. Um, But when I read them, I did not immediately think Beauty and the Beast. The Little Mermaid. Now that you've said it, I'm like, oh yes, okay, I see the parallels. Um, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it it is it did not jump out at me as like this is oh, a Beauty and the Beast retelling. This is a yeah. Little Mermaid retelling. Uh, and some people do that on purpose and they advertise it sure, that way. Sure, mm-hmm. uh, I've got and a couple I enjoy those like stories that. too. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, take, taking inspiration from something I think is wise. Especially like classic stories like that. Like we know the beats, we know the stories there, but like having that interesting new twist on it, because however somebody interprets it or, you know, whatever pieces of it they are inspired by is going to be different depending on who it is. Like it's always going to be different when it's retelling, but like the heart of it's still the same. So it can connect to more readers that way. At least that's how I feel. Because the story belongs to the characters that you've created. Right. Yes. Absolutely true. It belongs That's to right. those people. It's mm-hmm. their story. Yeah. And Agreed. if you if you spend enough time getting into character, it, it's very much, it can surprise even you. Like, oh, the character's yeah. refusing to do what I wrote that he was going to do. Hmm. Well, that's awkward. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do yeah. now? We had a lot of that in the third book in the series. Yes. Um, the characters... Uh, cared about each other in ways that we weren't necessarily anticipating. I think, I don't don't know how to describe that. The the third book had the situation where our our Katie's been in an awful situation for a decade and he's miserable. And when we were first outlining, we were like, well, he's going to be totally done with this. He's going to be ready to just walk away. And then we got there and it was like, oh, he's not, he's not at all. It's my ride or die babe. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I I love it when our characters deviate. Like it can be very, very frustrating, but I think some of the best stuff comes from that. Yes. When you learn the character so well, you're like, oh, actually now that I am in your head and your soul and I know you, you wouldn't do this. Crap. That's just rubs all of act three. Great. (laughs) Yes. When we, that happens, are you generally in agreement that it's happening? Or have you had to fight about like, no, 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 this this was the plan and it's still working. And then the other person's like, but I don't think he would do it. <laughs> We've only ever had one moment where Waverly was like, no, this is wrong. This is not okay. And I was like, no, we're not doing, we're not, we're not going back and scrapping this because Waverly was talking about deleting like 10,000 words we'd already written. And I was like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> but they're right. We we absolutely we, needed to delete it. We have a shorthand for it because I think that I am more prone to like questioning myself and sometimes us. Um, and so we call it when I get in the cabbages um, at the very beginning what? of the pandemic. <laughs> yes. Okay. okay it, this is, <laughs> this the, is a whole long <laughs> story. A, yes. It's not a lot. I'll be very quick. <laughs> no, at the beginning of the pandemic, <laughs> Sam and I took kind of a moment to write a few contemporary romances uh, under the name Harley Grace. We kind of just, the world was on fire and we were like, we need to not think about plot and just think about the emotions of these characters and really delve into that. And it's like a tropical resort that we thought like, maybe we'll never go on a vacation again. Who knows? We'll see how this works out. None of us knew. (laughs) None of us knew. None of us knew. so... We wrote a few contemporary uh, novels and those were really fun, but it's also not totally our genre. So by the third one, um, we were writing a chef and there was a spicy scene and it was supposed to be happening in the kitchen. And I was like, oh no, what if they get the cabbages (laughs) messy? He would never, this, this chef at this resort would never do these depraved acts in front of the cabbages and you know i'm sorry and sam kind of she she stopped and she was like it is a romance novel 
Mm-hmm. They can do whatever they want in front of any kind of vegetable that is handy. <laughs> they can even involve the vegetable. Like you are thinking about the wrong thing. Like in reality, do you want your chef to be making out next to his crate of cabbages? No, the cabbages are sacrosanct. Like we must protect the cabbages. But in a romance novel, it's actually okay. And so sometimes I get in that space where I'm like, this has to be literal. And no, it, it has to be a good story. And so sometimes we make those big decisions and those changes and it's good and it's right and it fits the characters. And sometimes I am in the cabbages and the cabbages don't matter here. What matters is the feelings that these two characters are experiencing. And if I'm not able to convey that on the page in a way that is meaningful to the reader, um, then maybe there's something deeper that we need to figure out. Like maybe the motivation isn't clicking for me the way that it is for Sam or you know, usually we can talk our way. I, uh, Sam can work with me and we can find our way out of the cabbages. So, yes, and uh, given that we have the inverse of it where Sam is picking flowers. Like, yes, Sam, we know you think everything is fine. It's not. <laughs> we, we need to go back and look at this and maybe fix it. Stop. Yeah. Get out of the field. Every relationship is good. Yeah, that's important. Mm-hmm. Balance is good. Even I imagine that in a writing duo, evening each other out was was probably mm-hmm. a of goal of finding somebody yes. that you can write with. Yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. true. Just from a practical standpoint, though, I do have to say you can just wash the cabbages in some water and vinegar, <laughs> and then just remove the outer <laughs> layer of leaves, and they're like brand new. You are absolutely correct, so. and I'm pretty sure Eli would have known what to do with a messy cabbage mm-hmm. if he, if pressed. He could have figured it out. Right. But um, yeah, I got stuck in the cabbages that time, and it works really well because there's that whole Avatar: Last Airbender, the Cabbage yes. Man, and there's uh-huh. a whole game. Sam got it for me. It's called Oh yes. My Cabbages. Uh, so yeah, cabbages. I think that was my favorite story that's ever happened. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> I mean, holy the- shit. <laughs> the nutritional value of the cabbage. Yeah. So upset about the cabbage. I was like, that's great. <laughs> I was so stuck on this idea <laughs> that like it was not okay for the scene that we had planned out for like weeks ahead of time. Like, I was like, this can't happen. And she's like, it's it's happening though. It's gonna happen. <laughs> like it's fine. You're yeah. Cabbages. Peace, man. Did you consider just moving the cabbages? Well, you know, like maybe the delivery hadn't arrived yet or something. I think in the <laughs> end, we actually like, moved them out of the walk-in fridge and into like the dining go. room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the characters. I, no, yeah. I think that's such a great example, though, of, of just getting stuck on something. Yeah. Silly. Yeah. But in hindsight, you can be like, oh, that was silly. But yeah. it was so important to me in the moment. Yes. Right. Yeah. Remember the passion I felt. There's a the solid like 90% chance that I cried about the cabbages at some point. I was like, but that cabbage. Yeah. That's the OCD. You have to <laughs> yeah. like, you just glom onto an idea and you mm-hmm. can't let go of it sometimes. Yeah. yeah it didn't help no. that this was like September of 2020. So we, we had both, I mean, everybody was Emotions just, were high. we were all yeah. broken. Yeah. yeah. Everybody I mean, was messy. And... We're still a little broken. It's Okay. <laughs> We're being held together by glue now, I think. But like, you can still see the cracks. Yeah, glue and hope. I think just like, yeah. we're really just like narnying through it. Like we just have to believe we're fine. We are. Oh my god, I am just. I have tears. I was crying. <laughs> I love that story. Mm, maybe that's a shirt too. Yeah, yeah. In the cabbages. In, In the, the cabbages. cabbages. It's good to have it though. It's 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 a good shorthand for like no, you're you're getting distracted by something that probably yeah. does not matter in the long term. It it mm-hmm. helps that we've been working together for long enough that yeah. we are able to like kind of create that shorthand and be like, okay, you're in the flowers. Okay, you're in the cabbages, and that kind of hits the reset button. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's strange because I know that there are a lot of authors who co-write widely with many many people, um, and that sounds fun and exhilarating and also and terrifying. terrifying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Sam and I have this pretty intense partnership where mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's the close, the next best thing to being married. Like we have the yeah. same kind of jargon and shorthand that I have with my partner. Mm-hmm. Um, 
We and, have a shared you know, bank account, for God's sake. We do. Uh, yeah, yeah right. that's like all yeah. the commitment right there. I don't even have like a shared bank account with my partner. Like we're. I mean, what? There you go. Yeah, no, yeah. The secret. My husband and I have now. separate bank accounts, but Waverly and I have one. Well, you know, I mean, we have. When we came into co-writing, we did it seriously, and you know, not to say that like that's the right way. Um, because sometimes we, you have to kind of figure we it out. We hard to we, business. Yeah, up, we started uh, employee we, identification number, you know, bank accounts, mm. LLC papers, everything. Tend to yeah. worry about what happens when we all get hit by meteors. How do you figure <laughs> out where the dragon books go? Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it's helpful to know someone that well. And it helps us, I think, in writing because we also kind of – have a sense for who's going to do the best job writing which character. Or, you know, maybe Sam has written this kind of character really often and it's time for her to get to do something else. Or, you know, finding... I don't know. I think, you know, it's like that thing people say about marriage. Like, you each have to be trying 100% and you have to be thinking Mm -hmm. about your partner 100% and willing to compromise. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's... um, and then, of course, my favorite marriage advice, honestly, is also writing partner advice. If there's something that matters to them and it doesn't matter to you, do it their way every time. Because mm-hmm. then, mm-hmm. if it's important to you, they're going to listen to you about it. That's true. Yeah. Um, I, can we talk about your cover art for this series and where it came from and who is responsible? I would love to can. do that. Um, we have been pretty. working... Thank you. We've been working with Natasha Snow. Your first book ever. My first book was a Natasha Snow cover. I thought that was one of hers. Like she mm-hmm. has a very distinct style. I really the like vast majority it's so of it's really I've, pretty. I've got close to sixty books now, and the vast majority of them have Natasha covers. That yeah, is, she does a good job. She does. They pretty. pop. Uh, mm-hmm. They're always really well balanced. They look good on a shelf. Uh, our first ever GRL, um, which was a conference um we went it's just people would come up to our table and be like your covers are really nice they had no idea who we were but they you know she just that's, knows how I to mean, make it pop half the battle yeah it's like because yeah. judge a book by its cover that's how we sell the books like mm-hmm. your cover has to be yep. ripping even if nobody knows anything about it they see someone any of your stuff with by natasha it's like you have to go touch it. It's amazing. Yeah. And then, of course, my well, favorite I, addition to that is always also Natasha's a really great person she because is. she's yeah. just oh, she's kind and sweet and easy to work mm-hmm. with and always there to make sure you get what you want and just just wonderful. Mm-hmm. She is. We um, often actually buy covers uh, during her pre-made sales. Um, so she'll make covers and then sell them at kind of a lower price than she would for a custom. And I think that the To Kill a King covers were pre-mades and sometimes we just like get inspired by the vibes, mm, I guess. Yeah. So we actually have a number of books that we had no idea what we were going to write when we bought the covers, but we knew that like there was something there that we could get inspired by or write towards, yeah. um, and and she's really good at creating those opportunities, I think. Mm-hmm. I can see why one would be inspired by, <laughs> by this work. Yes. I mean, yes. It, it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's very pretty. And it, I mean, it checks all the boxes for a romance, too. Mm-hmm. We have the shirtless hunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is present. <laughs> but like, there's so much going on around him, too, that's yeah. like exciting and fun to look at. Yeah. Uh, and I don't like... The, they don't send us cover art usually when they're mm-hmm. like uh, telling us about books, they'll send us the blurb. Uh, sometimes there'll be a link to the online store. If the pre-order is up, you can see the cover that way. But yeah, when, when uh, you sent over your information for being on the pod and I saw the cover, I was like, Whoa, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. It's intense. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. That is definitely one of those things that we have largely made a rule of that we, we don't want to put a cover on a book unless we're excited to show it to everybody. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm cool. sure the same is true about what goes inside the book. <laughs> That's also well, we important. hope so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you will never get a dirty cabbage. 
I'm just kidding. You might. I say watch. Yeah, watch right. what happens now. Oh my god! Dirty cabbages oh. will become a, a hallmark of your writing, <laughs> and everybody will be looking for the dirty cabbages. I just I, like so vividly see the cover of like something by Natasha with this gorgeous man. He's holding a cabbage, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna die if I see that at this point. See, I was picturing like the artwork for Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Oh, I was picturing uh, sentient cabbages. Yes. Getting it on. Please oh my god, that should be a Chuck out. Tingle thing, like mm-hmm. hounded by the by the sentient uh, cabbage. cabbage. <laughs> I love it. This has gone off the rails. Um, <laughs> you guys have really good magic systems in your stories. So I was gonna ask, how do you build your magic system? And do you n- normally gravitate more towards like earth-based magic like natural magic or is it more arcane stuff i think generally we we gravitate toward the earth-based sort of magic because we want like a often enough we actually try to to give like a scientific explanation at least in our heads over it so Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's that and of course we we actually put a lot of time into world building, which is fun. We both enjoy it, so that yeah, helps. Well, your world, world building is really, like, you guys have really in-depth world building. And, like, Thank you're you. also very good about not doing the big, like, info dumps, which I can't stand. You're you're a lot mm-hmm. better about, like, parsing out the world building. So, like, as you're reading, you're learning more about, like, culture and the magic system and, and things like that. So it's like you're along for the journey with the characters and, and like absorbing the world as you go. And so like, I just appreciate that so much about y'all's writing is that the magic system is always solid and I'm envious. And then your Thank world you. building is deep. You know, like it's, it's Thank fantastic. You. Big fan. Thank you so much. Yes. That's so, so nice to hear. <laughs> I, I, I am afraid of the info dump personally. Um, yes. I'm always afraid that I'm like, am I getting to it? But um, I think one of the reasons why we, Slash, I am drawn to like earth based magic systems, or you know, it's the second kind of time we've made the land a really big factor in a fantasy series. So, in our Fire and Valor series, um, there were earth mages who like created buildings just by like willing them from the earth, and so the architecture is really different. Um, and kind of being able to tie that all into setting is really important. So I um, have an architect for a father and I studied religious studies and history. And so that's all about like significant places and what those places or, you know, items or things or ideas mean to people. It's been important for us to, I guess we start with a grain of like, okay, here's this thing. How does this matter to the people that we're writing about? Like, how does this change the way that they interact with each other and the world? And, you know, each of the Vasilyevs have a bonded dragon. And so they don't just have, you know, this pet, this partner, like those dragons also interact with each other and they have relationships to each other and to other people. And those relationships also color like, the humans that they are bonded to their approach to how they're going to act. Like Dima, the King is very upset with his cousin Kostya because of something that Kostya's dragon did. And that sits with him. And there's no real way to solve that um, in the first couple books because Kostya doesn't have, I mean, Kostya's dragon, sorry. Kostya's dragon, Kyrian does not have a voice cannot apologize or make amends in a way that is meaningful to Dima. Um, Whether or not he really has to do that, it still very much affects the relationship between the two human cousins. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, and actually that that's one of the things that I think becomes really important when you're, when you're trying to build a really fleshed out world, the characters are better for it. Like, um, one of my favorite examples is Jordan Hawks series, uh, Wittershins. The the setting there is a character all by itself. And that's kind of one of the things that we really want to do because it gives everyone who's there so much more depth when you add that extra aspect. Yeah. No, I agree. Like it's I I I love the concept of 
taking into account the the religious places and things like that. Like that's I I've, I'm working on an urban fantasy series right now where I'm I'm crafting a place that is going to be like a central hub for a very specific religion. And I think now I need to go read everything about architecture because like and like religious arch- architecture in particular because I'm like. Oh, that's a good idea. That sounds awesome. So I'm glad it's we so chatted cool. before I got to that scene. Because yeah, that's because I have books. Yeah, yes. I was about to say I'm gonna I'm gonna message you later because this yeah. is yes, this is good. Waverly's knowledge on this brings yeah. so much extra depth. I mean, you literally came up with the spires, which is the castle in uh, in Fire and Valor, and it, it was just <laughs> such an important continuing place that you know. It was again. It was practically its own character by the end of the series. Uh, well, I would love to chat more, but I think we're going to have to save that for another episode. Yep. And I'm have, getting dark have, in here, so we are running short on time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but thank you guys so much for taking the time to chat with us and coming on the podcast. Uh, and I'm really excited for people to hear "To Kill a King" yes. book one, Me "Dragon's too. Dawn," coming yes. out. Sometime so soon. We but, asked really a lot hope. from you guys, and you yes, did amazing. Did. <laughs> oh, good. Well, and it—it's just like it w- I'm curious to see if our approach to the accent holds up <laughs> when <laughs> you're switching between the chapters. Yeah, yeah. From what I've listened to so far, it works pretty well together. So I awesome. think you will be pleased. Good, good, good. Cool. Thank you so much to Sam and Waverly for chatting with us. They would be a lot of fun to hang out with. They are a lot of fun to hang out with. I've been able to hang out with them. in hand, things Mm -hmm. would get uh, maybe loud, maybe messy, but delicious. I think they'd be fun. They they are fun. If we're ever at our conference with them, we definitely need to like go hang out at the bar and just have a good time. They're just delightful. Absolutely. Uh, And I'm so giggling about cabbages. I won't get you started again. Yeah, please save me. Yeah. You can find all of their social media links in the episode notes for this episode. uh, And you can also find our information in the episode notes. I just want to say to all the listeners who have been tagging us when you promote the show on social media, thank you so much. Uh, We continue to be so grateful for your support and your promotion is working we Mm -hmm. continue to find new listeners every week um so if you want to help us promote the show uh and you haven't been posting about it yet um all of our social media links are in the show notes uh or you can look them up at hoofandfangpodcast.com uh and just a reminder that the the more subscribers we have to our patreon the more exciting projects we will be able to create indeed So we will be back next week when we will be chatting with the author of our January audiobook, M.N. Bennett. Exciting. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.